Hello, welcome to Digital Marketing Musings. I'm Gaia. And I'm Andrea. We've got an important episode today about the pending deprecation of third-party browser cookies. This is the first segment in a multi-part series. Uh, if you are like most of us in digital marketing industry, you've probably heard all that cookies are going away, uh, but you aren't 100% sure what that means uh, or what you should be doing to prepare. So that is why we have brought in our expert, Island Wheel Dryer from uh, Merkle. Island's been with Merkle since 2015. He's an associate director of performance media. And he's worked with clients ranging across verticals from B2B to entertainment, retail, financial services, and nonprofit. So welcome, Island. Thanks. Nice to be on, Gaia, Andrea. All right. So in terms of just starting off, um, could you give a quick background of what cookies are, differentiation between first and third-party cookies? Sure. So a cookie is a little snippet of code, um, an identifier that a partner or platform can place on a user's browser. Um, and what that does is it allows that partner or platform to, um, or advertiser, if they're using some sort of advertiser side platform, to identify a user, um, either target them or track them for some other purpose, uh, seeing if they come back to site, tracking conversions. Um, that's generally what cookies are. Um, when we talk about first or third party cookies, first party cookies are those where when one looks at the cookie, it looks like it's written by the advertiser site domain. Um, and third party are those cookies that are not written by the advertiser site domain. Um, as far as second party cookies are concerned, uh, it's sort of debatable whether second party cookie is actually a thing. It's probably more accurate just to lump it together with, with what um, some refer to as second party data. Uh, so that would be where one entity shares their IDs with another entity. Um, so you can imagine this being something like um, an airline sharing their IDs on their users with a hotel chain for some sort of purpose. Um, so typically we only talk about them in first and third party cookies, but that's where if you're referencing second party data that might fall. Can you give an example of like how a first party cookie would be used versus a third party cookie when you're actually like applying it to advertising? Sure. So um, when we think about first party cookies or first party data, again, that is implying some sort of relationship, some sort of direct relationship with the advertiser. So they've either visited the advertiser's site. Um, that's going to be the most uh, pertinent form of first party cookie. Uh, when, we, when we say first party data, though, that could pertain to also their back-end CRM data that they could potentially convert into um, some other um, vendors' IDs. But if you're talking about first-party cookies, those are usually those collected or placed 
with a direct relationship with the advertiser site. Third-party cookies are those where when the cookie is, um, is interacted with, it's viewed as not coming from the advertiser site. It could actually have been placed when a user gets to the site, but as far as when it's written, it's interpreted as third-party. Um, the other use is primarily going to be uh, when we talk about targeting uh, in form of third-party data. So if you're using some other like blue Kai targeting segment where you want to um, go to go to blue Kai within your DSP and you say, I want to target all users in market for auto purchase. Um, that is where that would be a third-party data segment using third-party cookies. So, so most most often, first party, remarketing, third party, prospecting. Got it. Cool. And there's just been a lot in the industry recently coming out over the last few years in terms of privacy and different regulations and um, other developments by different platforms. So, can you give a brief like roll up? of what has happened to date and why some of the more recent announcements are more impactful. Sure. And this might, uh, this gets into uh, some, if you're, if you are part of any of the three organizations of Facebook, Google, or Apple, um, this starts to get into some areas where, you know, there might be some contention between those parties um, about what's going on. Um, and so really it starts in 2017 when Apple rolls out ITP. And Apple's point of view on this is a user should have a right to control what data is collected and how's it, how it's used. Um, so their big value prop is privacy, and that's what they say. Um, what their plans are for that or um, how they use that as a marketing message versus whether that's their you know true concern or not is probably debatable what their long-term plan is for how they're going to use it in their product development and potentially future monetization also debatable um, but apple took that first step in 2017. they've come out with further iterations of this and it continues to restrict the amount to which user data can be collected and retained. Um, I think at this point it's only first party seven day window, something like that. Um, and because of the attraction that a large user base has seen with this, others have begun to follow suit. So um, they follow suit for two reasons. One, probably some sort of perceived um, benefit to the user base, whether that be Google users, Facebook users, whoever it might be. And then the second is probably from an actual legislative standpoint, privacy compliant, like legal um, risk and exposure. Uh, with GDPR and CCPA, uh, those legislations, they will at some point create a precedent for who is accountable for harvesting, retaining, and using user data, and whether some sort of legal standing has been violated um, in that regard. So from two aspects, these really big players are trying to both um, 
be in good standing with users from a marketing product aspect, but then also be in good standing from a legal aspect. Uh, we would expect to see this continue to develop, meaning uh, user data becoming more restricted, more uh, legislated, uh, and then how they deal with that, meaning Facebook, Google, Apple, is yet to be seen. Uh, it will find a way, probably, so meaning there will probably be alternatives down the road, but in the meantime, things will be relatively uncertain. Uh, and I think this is probably a good moment to state a very large caveat that with a lot of what we're talking about today, there's a lot of unknowns. Um, there's a lot of nuance with what's going on. Timing and development, all of this is rather fluid. Um, so we'll do our best to give answers to the best of our ability, but a lot of them will be TBD. Does that fully answer that question? Yes. Did you touch on some of the more recent Google announcements as well? So just recently, uh, this gets into privacy sandboxes um, and what they're going to be doing with Chrome in 2022. So the background there is um, in 2022, Chrome is going to be blocking third-party cookies. First party will still be okay, but third party is going away. And uh, one of the most recent announcement announcements relates to um, privacy, their privacy sandbox, uh, which basically means an environment where an advertiser or an analytics team can pull in a bunch of data and slice and dice, analyze import-export data in a privacy-compliant way. And they actually use a bunch of different bird names during this project. So there's names like <laughs> Flock and Fledge and Parrot and these other things. But um, what Flock is, is basically using cohorts of data to provide some amount of anonymization. Facebook actually did this last year uh, with some of their MTA partners where <laughs> we were going along and all of a sudden one day we couldn't pull the same level of granularity in data. And the reason was because they had started going this cohort method. Um, so it was either uh, users grouped into groups of 100 or 1,000 um, of similar attributes. And so we could continue to pull you know, ad set or campaign level data, um, but at the user level, some of those things were obfuscated. So the same thing is probably happening here with Google. That's just another good example. Um, the heads up on um, that rollout last year with Facebook was pretty abrupt. Um, we basically had no warning and we had to figure out what was going on after the fact. Um, with Google, they gave this announcement. Um, they they uh, rolled out the announcement, but they didn't really give any details beyond that exactly how it's going to work. So again, same deal. We have some amount of clue into how they're going to make the environments privacy compliant. Um, what that actually looks like in the end is still sort of TBD. Got it. So with the Facebook change, you're saying in these sandboxes that the analytics or client teams had, uh, the advertisers were basically trying to pull down data for who had seen an ad or clicked on an ad at a user level, and now they can't see it at a user level. It's grouped into bigger groups. Right. I don't remember the exact details, and this is a very specific circumstance where so background, um, some of these MTA parts, so broadly, Facebook does not allow 
for third-party tracking um, with something like think of like a, a Google campaign manager impression tracker there are approved MTA partners though where at a user level or what used to be a user level you could do essentially impression tracking and tracking view and view interactions for view through conversions in addition to click and so you could stitch together all of these um, interactions along the touch path to conversion and you could use that to understand basically partial attribution and divvy up credit for a single conversion um, it's a nuance it's probably not super relevant but yes they rolled out this sort of cohort structure last summer to be able to address that to be able to make it more privacy compliant um, you know it is it is a good effort on Facebook's part and Google's part to be compliant and and so I just want to state that as well that it's a good thing they're doing um, it's not merely to make it more difficult um, or anything like that it'll be one of the most interesting things to see is that <clears throat> Facebook's going to come out with some sort of privacy sandbox environment, probably. Google's doing it right now. Um, many others will probably do this. The big thing to see will be how will Google and Facebook play together? At what point will that happen, and what will it look like? Um, because they're the largest two in in the digital sphere, that will be probably... The, the big thing to see is when does that happen and what does it look like, but that's TBD. Cool. So you've thrown out a lot of different um, acronyms for things, and just as someone that doesn't play in the media space in the same way, like SEO, we have our own alphabet soup going on. Um, what does ITP stand for and MTA? Um, I believe ITP is Intelligent Tracking Prevention. I think that's what it was. Okay. There's the, uh, the equivalent for Firefox. I think it's ETP. I don't remember what E okay. stands for in ETP, but that's okay. what that is. So it's basically tracking prevention of third-party cookies. Um, MTA is multi-touch attribution. So exactly as I described, um, if you're like uh, a big one is Nielsen attribution, what used to be called VIQ. And what happens is, is they're able to um, track every impression and click interaction across all of your display, paid social, paid search, um, affiliates. And they can stitch all that together and then they take a conversion that happens on the advertiser site and they work backward between all the impressions and the clicks and they assign proportional credit. So they split out that one conversion in however their, their black box algorithm decides um, to assign credit for conversion. That's what an MTA partner does. Okay. And the attribution is one of the things that we're anticipating will be impacted by the deprecation of the third-party cookies. Is that a correct statement? Um, yes. Uh, you're gonna, we're going to lose visibility, or we're going to okay. lose some amount of visibility. What they all decide to do in terms of partnerships with identity resolution, so this will we'll probably get into later on, but there's going to be a lot of things happening as far as anyone anyone who sits on PII is going to have 
And can you define what PII is also? Yeah, personally <laughs> identifiable information. I think Thank that's you. correct too. If yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can probably Google all these things and find out quickly, you know, we use them so frequently um, yeah. in, in digital marketing. And when they first came out three or four years ago, we, we just used them and sometimes forget, we forget what they actually mean. But um, <laughs> so personally identifiable information. So you can think of, um, there are, there are going to be platforms, uh, when I say platforms, like a DSP, a, design, a demand side platform where they're built out of an existing media company. So Verizon would be a good example. So Verizon sits on a ton of, of PII um, and they have user records um, that are tied back with name and address, a phone number, email, whatever it happens to be. And with that, that is the foundation of some sort of persistent identity graph where they could tie a cookie, an IP address, um, a device ID to that name, that address, that phone number, that email, and it's going to remain, persi remain persistent. And through that, they're going to be able to do some sort of persistent targeting and measurement. Verizon's not alone, though. You can imagine any other platform that has this. Right. Now, whether they decide to continue to work as individuals or in the next one to five years, there's some sort of... Um, reduction and merging and consolidation into a standard ID, um, that's, you know, yet to be seen. But that's basically what I get at when right now it's sort of a free-for-all, right? Everybody's trying to figure out what they're going to do with this. Um, right. And not not every partner is going to rely on uh, another uh, vendor's third-party, sorry, another vendor's identity resolution solution, but a lot of them are. So I think VIQ, which is now Nielsen, Nielsen I think they're going to use the Trade Desk's Unified ID 2.0 um, as, their, as their more persistent identifier. But that's just going to be one piece of many pieces that they try to use to stitch together a form of persistent tracking. So yes, there's going to be a loss of identity resolution because cookies will further be deprecated, but in its place, something's gonna gonna fill that space. Um, whether it's to the same quality, what the end impact actually is, we don't know yet. But they're gonna find they're gonna attempt to find some sort of workaround. Perfect. So it seems like media is gonna be probably impacted the most from what I'm hearing. Is that also a true statement, or what? What are you thinking? Or I guess predicting is going to happen from that perspective. Yes. So because search and the nature of it being click interactions and the uh, the user journey from the SERP to the advertiser site is so short and the relationship there immediately becomes an opportunity for first party engagement, those are probably not going to be impacted um, nearly as much because of the media landscape where their user can be anywhere on the web, any number of publishers, any methods of targeting to try to get to those users, whether that be third-party targeting, contextual targeting, whatever it happens to be, first-party targeting with marketing, um, that is where the impact is likely to be greater felt. And that's the reason why, just because of the nature of the relationship 
between the interaction with the user off the advertiser, advertiser seat, site until the user actually ultimately arrives on the advertiser site. Uh, since that's so much more freeform and broad with the media side, that's why it's likely to be more impacted. I think that's a great overview to start of what is happening and what the cookie list feature actually is. Um, with that, I think that we can probably wrap up our first segment, but we did want to tease our second part in this series, which is going to be focused on what advertisers should be doing to prepare for third-party cookie deprecation um, and really what that will look like more tangibly. Any final parting thoughts for this episode? I don't think so. I think of that next episode, um, just as you said, what what should people be doing? That is what we're going to talk about as far as probably the future. What will the future look like without uh, the cookies? But, yep. All right. Well, thank you so much, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Thank you.